Um, as I get set up here, because there's like a truckload of things on this lectern, uh, turn the person next to you uh, and just start listing all the good things that God's done for you over the last week, over the last month, over the last 40 years, however long. Just start listing everything God's done that is great uh, for you in your life. All right, hopefully you've all got endless lists of the great things God's done for you. Uh, now I'm going to get people to share a couple of them, but there's one rule to sharing one of the good things, and it needs to be within three sentences long. If it goes any longer than that, I'm going to cut you off. You can tell someone else at morning tea. <laughs> uh, so who, who thinks they can share something good that God's done in their life? Yeah, Ken? Gabe and Melinda. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yep, Andrew? Yeah, it's a great blessing. Yep. Maybe one or two more. Yep. Yep. Church family is a great blessing, especially when you don't have to ride a camel. Yep. <laughs> yep, Steve, last one. New birth. Awesome. Yep, babies are great. Now, hopefully you had like a whole list of things that uh, you could say uh, that God's done in your life. Uh, but even when we're struggling, we all have one thing in common, uh, and that's the gospel. The fact that Jesus uh, has died on the cross and rose to life again uh, so that we can be made right with God, be freely forgiven, uh, and have eternal life. And that's one of the main things uh, in the verse that we're looking at today in 2 Timothy. Let me pray as we, as we come to it. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, that we can come here again uh, as we do every Sunday uh, and delve into your word uh, with the desire to understand you and what you want better. Uh, we pray that you help us to uh, yeah, have open hearts to hear your word uh, to understand it uh, and to let it change our lives. In your son's name, amen. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter. It's written by from, from, from one Christian guy named Paul to another, a younger man named Timothy. Over the last few weeks uh, here at church, we've been looking uh, at the strategy that underpins all our ministry here at St Barnabas. As, uh, we refer to them as the four E's, uh, which are an attempt to uh, categorise the steps that someone takes from not knowing Jesus all the way to a mature Christian. There's engage when they first make contact with someone who has the gospel, evangelism when someone shares the gospel with them, establishing uh, where they're established in the, the new uh, faith that they've put their trust in, and equipping as they mature, uh, as they go on the, the continuous path of maturing and understanding God better. Now, as we look at 2 Timothy over the next couple of weeks, we should be able to see how that looks in practice. Uh, in the first bit that we've read, Timothy, we see that Timothy has been evangelised and established uh, as the, th the faith of his mother and, and grand uh, mother and grandmother has been passed on to him. And as he's been continued to be established and equipped as Paul mentors him uh, and teaches him 
uh, as he takes up the role in ministry. Now Paul continues to equip him specifically in this letter as Timothy continues uh, as the leader of the church in Ephesus. The gospel has been passed on to Timothy through various people and with it came the responsibility to do, do the same to others. On top of that, he's been given the responsibility of leading the group of Christians in Ephesus. Timothy knows and trusts the gospel, and with that comes the spirit, the spirit that Paul has, and the same spirit that every Christian has, that we have. Paul's pretty clear on this fact. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can be Christians. And if we're a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit, the same one that Timothy and Paul has. And Paul reminds Timothy of three specific qualities of the Holy Spirit. He reminds Timothy that it's a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. Oh, self-discipline, sorry. I'm going to get that mixed up the whole time. So if I ever say self-control, it's self-discipline. <laughs> and it's not a spirit of timidity. Paul, therefore, tells Timothy not to be ashamed of the teaching of the gospel. At the time this letter was written, there were plenty of reasons why Timothy might be starting to lose confidence in the gospel that has been passed down to him. For one, Paul, who was a major, major teacher of the gospel, a major advocate of the gospel at that time, and the person who mentored and taught, taught Timothy all he knows, had been locked up for doing, doing exactly that, for teaching the gospel. He'd been thrown in jail. So that was, that's one reason why he might be starting to be ashamed of the things that he's been taught. On top of that, Timothy's stuck leading a bunch of people who have all sorts of issues. And amongst them are people who are teaching false gospels. They're, they're teaching their own version of the gospel, ones that are specifically altered, to appeal to the desires of the people listening. They have given up on the truth and are telling people what they want to hear. Gospels which are likely to sound far more appealing than the one Timothy teaches, the one that says that we're all sinful and facing the punishment of God, but that we have a way out by repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. So for Timothy, it would be very easy to shrink off into the background to not associate with the crazy guy in jail and not confront the false teachers, not correct them on their gospels that are false and to let the people believe what they want to believe without opposition. And this is why, why Paul reminds Timothy that he has a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. And it's why he warns him not to be ashamed of the gospel or of Paul who has been locked up. But instead, he encourages Timothy, by God's power, to join with him in suffering for the gospel. Why is he encouraged to do this? Well, Paul lists things that God has done in their lives through the gospel. God has saved them by his own purpose and grace, not by their own doing. Through the appearance of Jesus, death has been destroyed and the way to immortality has been revealed. And that is why Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed because of the great things God has done in their lives through the gospel. Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel because of how great the gospel is 
and what it has meant for their lives and what it means for others' lives as well. Paul continues to encourage Timothy to not be ashamed by using himself as an example, as he's probably done with most of his teaching. Paul was called to be an advocate, apostle and teacher of the gospel. And because of that, he's been put in jail. The reason Paul is suffering is purely due to being committed to the gospel and sharing it with others. Despite being put in jail, Paul still has confidence in the gospel. He's not ashamed of it. Why is he so confident? Well, if we look at verse 12, uh, it's because he's convinced that God is capable of guarding the gospel that God entrusted to him. Paul knows that we have a powerful God who can come through on the promises made through the gospel. Paul relies on God for the strength to keep on suffering for the gospel and for God to do the work in people's lives as he teaches it. So Paul urges Timothy to do the same, to look to Paul as the model of sound teaching and to make sure that he guards the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit. Timothy is in a position where standing firm and holding to the gospel would be hard, where it would be very easy to lose confidence in the gospel that he had been taught, to be shamed as the gospel and give in to the demands of others. But Paul reminds him to stay strong, to look to the spirit that we all have and not be ashamed of the gospel, but instead to guard it, keeping it from change and staying true to the teaching that Paul has passed down to him. Why? because of the impact the gospel has had on their lives, because the message is good. Raise your hand if any time this week you've sat down and told someone the gospel. A couple, two. I don't think I can put my hand up in good conscience. But there are a few, which is good. But there's still quite a few that haven't. I mean, that's our role as Christians, right? So why are we so hesitant to do it? The gospel is important and we need to share it. But just like Timothy and Paul, just like Timothy and Paul, the gospel has been passed down to us and we need to pass it on to other people. I often hear the argument uh, said by different Christians that uh, we don't need to share the gospel, either that It's only the role of a few specific people, the people up the front, the people who are paid to do it, or that, you know, people will be able to hear the the gospel through us living good lives. That if they live a godly life that kind of reflects the values of God, somehow they're going to understand that they're in danger of, uh, of punishment from God and eternal destruction, and that they need to turn to Jesus for salvation. But it's never made sense to me. How, how's, how's someone going to work that out without someone specifically telling them? I mean, it's a job that everyone should be doing. I mean, people say that it's not specifically mentioned in the Bible, that everyone needs to do it. But I think it's pretty clear if you stop and think about it for a second. I mean, what, what's the greatest, what, what does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Someone shout it out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself, exactly. Now, if you take that and compare it to the gospel, the message that 
everyone without Jesus is facing destruction. Uh, And the fact that we have that gospel and know that uh, through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be saved from it, how can we not tell people that? If we, if we are loving them and we see the, the, what they're facing, the situation that they're in, how can we not share, them, share with them the way out? That's, it's never quite made sense to me that people say that the Bible doesn't tell us to share the gospel with others. I mean, think about it. Think, imagine, you, imagine, you're in a, imagine you're at the beach. It's a hot summer, summer's day. You're there with your family. The water's nice and cool and you'll dive in and uh, you know having a great old time swimming in through the waves. But as you're doing that, you see about probably five metres in front of you, away from you and your family, this massive shark fin come up out of the water and start swimming by. What do you do? First thing you do is yell shark and get the heck out of the water. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to just run and not say anything. Well, I mean, your family, who you love, is standing right there. You can see the danger that they're in, that the shark is like right next to them and could quite easily attack them. You're going to, get, you're going to try and warn them. Warn them of the danger they're in and tell them to get to safety with you as you run off, in, off to the beach, off the land. How can you see someone in danger, someone you love in danger, and not warn them of that danger and the way out? How can you say that you love someone who doesn't know the gospel, who's facing certain destruction without telling them the way to, be, to, to escape? How can you not tell someone the gospel? It doesn't make sense. The Bible's clear on the fact that if you know the gospel, you need to share it with those who don't know it. It is crucial to loving others. Paul is clear that Timothy needs to testify about Jesus. So if it's so important, why are we often so reluctant to do it? Well, I think there's two common hurdles that most that all of us face, well, most people face uh, when sharing the gospel, myself included. The first is we're ashamed of the gospel. And the second is, the, other, the second common thing that people struggle with is that they don't think they know the gospel well enough to tell it to others. Being ashamed of the gospel is something I think that we're all prone to. Just like, and just like Timothy, uh, there's plenty of excuses uh, for our lack of confidence in the gospel. The world around us is always in opposition to the things we teach. Just think about the things that are currently being discussed. The legitimacy of teaching the gospel in schools is being questioned. Every day society grows more and more accepting towards the idea of practicing homosexuality. And seemingly more and more people each year claim that there is no God. Not only that, but we're facing threats from inside the church as churches adjust and tweak the gospel and the Bible for their own purposes. The church is claiming that, that God only wants uh, you to succeed, that he wants you to have a really good life. You have everything that you could want, a big house, lots of money, stack of, uh, a bunch of cars, uh, really good health, 
He wants you to have all those great things. And while God does want us to have a good life, it's not often that. I mean, obviously they haven't read anything from Paul about suffering for the gospel. I mean, there's also others in the church who are throwing the Bible out the window altogether, holding it as at, at, the, at, at the most a guideline uh, that's up for the meaning of which is up for your own interpretation. So we're in a very similar situation to Timothy. We aren't being locked up, but the legitimacy of the Bible is constantly questioned from everywhere. And just like Timothy, it's very tempting for us to stay quiet, retreat to somewhere safe, and keep the gospel to ourselves. All around us, we're being told to be ashamed of the gospel. And so what Paul says to Timothy is very much applicable to us. We need to remember that we have a spirit not of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. On the roles of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit that we all have, is to help us in this situation. Because he's a, power, he's a spirit of power, and he gives us the power to be bold, to continue suffering for the gospel, and he gives us the strength to share and teach the Bible even when we're faced with opposition. He's also a spirit of love. He helps us to love, to share the gospel with love, to love people who are aggressively against the gospel, who are teaching significantly altered messages. And he helps us to love everyone and to realise the situation that they are in and helps us to see that they need the gospel. Finally, he's a spirit of self-discipline. When we're faced with opposition and our confidence in the gospel is dwindling, we need self-discipline to keep going, to remain focused and motivated and not give in. We have God's spirit who is well equipped to help us in this situation. When we lose confidence in our saving message, when we are tempted to be ashamed of that which we trust in, God can strengthen us through his spirit. When we find ourselves in those situations, ashamed of the gospel, we need to turn to God and ask him for strength and remind ourselves of the great and powerful message that is the gospel. Through the strength, power and confidence of God behind us, I think there's still one major hurdle that a lot of us face when teaching the gospel. It's the worry that we'll say something wrong. That we don't, it's, it's the fact that we're afraid uh, that we don't know the gospel well enough and we're afraid that what we say might be incorrect. Now, it's a noble concern because the gospel is vitally important and its integrity must be guarded as Paul commanded Timothy in today's passage. But it shouldn't be something that stops us from sharing the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the message that we can be saved through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the thing that we all trust in for our own salvation. It's the thing that we know. It's the fact that through Jesus' death we can be freely forgiven, made right with God and have eternal life. And we all know at least that much. 
Paul gives us his uh, very concise version of the gospel in chapter 2, verse 8. Have a look down with me. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. So Paul puts it pretty simply. It's that, uh, that uh, Jesus is raised from the dead and descended from David. Now, it's super short, but those few words have so much extra meaning implied in them. Just the title of Christ has a, has a ton of meaning. It implies that Jesus is God's chosen king, told about years before, and the one who God has been pointing to throughout all of history. And see, that's the thing. The more time you spend getting into God's word, striving to understand the gospel and the Bible, you're constantly learning new things about how it works and how it fits together. There's always more you can know, and there's always more you could say to someone. But remember that even when you're not confident about everything, there's one thing you can be confident about. You know how you yourself became a Christian. You know how you were saved. You know the good things that God has done in your life through the gospel, and you can confidently use that to tell others uh, how you became a Christian. If you aren't certain uh, how you were saved, then I encourage you to please sort that out. That's something that you need to make sure that you're clear on. Uh, sit down and ask someone, hey, can you just go through the basics of the gospel with me? Talk to Joe or Dave if you, if you can't find anyone. They would be happy to do it. We may not be able to teach every single aspect of the Bible, but we know how we have been saved and we can share that with others. It doesn't have to be eloquent. We just need to say it. And we need to remember that we have the Holy Spirit assisting us in doing it. God is the one who does the hard work of changing someone's heart. So we don't need to be afraid of getting it wrong or not knowing everything. Just share the good things God has done for you through the gospel. Share the thing that you know and that you're confident in. Now that being said, Timothy is told to guard the gospel. The gospel is important and we need to be diligent in getting it right. There are people, there are people out there uh, who want to change the gospel and we need to know the gospel well so we are prepared to defend it and not get take, carried away by their teaching. We need to be sure that, and we need to be sure that we aren't the ones who are teaching incorrectly. In chapter four, verse two, Paul encourages Timothy to be prepared to preach the word in season and out of season, at any time. So we should be encouraged to know God's word better, but that should not stop us from sharing it. So how do we? How do we do all this? How do we confidently, confidently share the gospel with people but at the same time be meticulous about getting it right? Well, what we need to say must be small but true. As we've seen, we are all sure, at the very least, of the basics, that we are saved through Christ's death. So can we, we can, at the very least, confidently share that. As we continue to delve into the Bible, we will better understand more and more and be able to share more and more with confidence. All of us know the basics of the gospel and can share it with others. 
And so be honest when something comes when you're talking to someone and something comes up that you don't know. Admit that you aren't sure about it. And then help them and help yourself to be informed. Go and find someone who can help explain that area to you. So that both of you know the answer to that question. So we all know how we became a Christian and we can use that to tell others. But how do we get to that step in a conversation? How do we get to that step where we can start talking about how we became a Christian? Well, let me give you an example. Let me tell you about Tanya. Now, Tanya is a person that probably most of you most of you know. Uh, she's going to, to 8 o'clock church at the moment. Uh, but no, recently I've noticed that she's brilliant at sharing the gospel with people. She herself knows that she doesn't know everything about the Bible. There's still a lot uh, that she needs to know, as with most of us. But she's confident in what God has done in her life and how she became a Christian. So she uses that. Now, Tanya has, M- uh, has MS, and although most people would see that as a terrible thing, Tanya sees that as a massive blessing. Because through that, she came to know Jesus. If you want to know more details about that, you can go and ask her. I'm sure she'll be happy to tell you. So she uses her sickness to tell people the gospel. When the topic of her health or MS comes up in the conversation, she knows that she can use that as an entryway to talking about how she became a Christian. She uses it to tell people the gospel. It's pretty great, and I'm always thankful to have her around, particularly a playgroup, as she, she shares that with people. Tanya has a simple way of bringing up her story uh, in conversation. Unfortunately, we don't all have serious medical conditions uh, that we can use to share the gospel, but there are other simple ways that we can do it. One of my favourite ways is, uh, is asking people what they did on the weekend. I mean, usually they'll tell me and then more often than not, they'll ask, what did you do on the weekend? And well, then I can say, well, I went to church. And from there, there's all sorts of opportunities. I can say what I, what I heard on, at church on Sunday. I can tell them how I became a Christian and why I think going to church is so important. So all, to, all sorts of ways uh, to use that. Now, that might not work for you, but it'd be worth sitting down and having a think. What are, what are some ways I can, some common ways, some common things that people say or ask or that I can ask that I can use to then tell Share with people how I became a Christian or tell them the gospel. might be worth sitting down with a couple of people if you're struggling with it and then you can all kind of bounce ideas off each other. Maybe it's a good thing to do a Bible study this week. It's going to be awkward at first once you start trying to uh, share the gospel in everyday conversation. It's going to be a bit clunky, but as you, as you do it more and more, as you find different ways to include it, it's going to become almost second nature like it is with Tanya. I mean, it's hard to have a conversation with her without her bringing up something about, about God. It's great. And through it all, we need to remember uh, that God has the power to help us do it. We need to keep praying and asking him to use his Holy Spirit to give us the strength that we need to stay confident and to keep guarding the gospel. We've had the gospel passed down to us through others has been entrusted to us by God. It's the message of salvation that we should not be ashamed to share. Through the power, love and self-discipline of the Holy Spirit, 
We need to be keen to guard it, to learn all the intricacies of the good things that God has done for us. But we can't let that be a barrier to sharing it with others. And all of this we do so that they can know the great things God has done and the way to freely receive eternal life. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've entrusted us uh, with this great message of the gospel, the way to uh, eternal life and the way to avoid uh, the punishment that we rightly deserve. We pray that uh, as uh, we face opposition and as people question the legitimacy of the gospel, that you will not let us be ashamed, that you'll help us to be, remain confident in it uh, and remain confident sharing it with others. Help us to do so boldly and help us to constantly turn to you uh, and ask for your help through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.